0: everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and you know the score. I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And with me, as always, someone who knows a good amount, but... a little skeptical about the whole thing. It's Kristen Suttered. Hi, Kristen. How's it going?
1: Hello, Joe. I also know too much, but too much by my standards.
0: Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a calibration. It's a sliding scale for, for all of us. Very excited to have two return guests with us here on the show today and a nice timely appearance for them both. Let's bring in our old friend and now... Technically, I think this might be the first year he is credited as a talent producer in the credits of the induction ceremony. I don't know if, if that is a lateral move or a promotion from talent executive last year, but it's Rick Krim. Hey, Rick. Hi, guys. And
2: I, I take that as a promotion. You should. Or recognition, a valid recognition of
0: uh, the efforts. Thank you, Joe Gallen. And he also got paid this year. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, there you go, making his way in the world. Um, and who's that voice? Why, it's the director, also a producer on the induction ceremony, Joel Gallen. Hey, Joel. Hello. How's my mic sound? It's sounding beautiful, if I Crisp. if I may say so. <laughs> well, here we are. It's it's a few weeks after the induction ceremony was broadcast on HBO, and first things first. Congrats, guys. You pulled it off. The first induction ceremony in over a year and a half. The first live one. About two and a half years, actually, since the last live one. Yeah, I guess you're right, because it would have been 2019 in March. Yeah. Wow. And so I guess that's my first question kind of to the both of you. Uh, Obviously, last year there was a planned ceremony and it, it had to go virtual. Had to go documentary style because of the pandemic. But as I recall, when we talked to you guys last year, kind of around this time, you had set a date for this year's by then, about a year in advance. What's the roller coaster ride of expectations? And because at that point, you know, there was not a vaccine, there was an expectation, yeah. hopefully, that there would be. But how, how did it go? How were the ups and downs from? a year before the ceremony to the actual time?
3: Well, I, I didn't really have any expectations. I wasn't really thinking about it, to be honest with you. I, uh, I just, you know, when I finished the show, uh, I heard there was a date for next year. I think we were all hopeful that we'd be able to uh, do a live show. Uh, other than that, there wasn't really a lot of thought put into it. I figured, we you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. When, it, when the time came, starting probably in the spring, when we really started mapping out the show and we heard about the potential inductees, And, uh, you know, we also heard about the new venue because we were in a a venue we were never in before in Cleveland. So we had to go scout that venue over the summer. You know, once we got to like June, I don't think there was any doubt that we were going to do the show. I felt like we knew what the COVID protocols needed to be. I had done a couple of live shows at that point also. And we were just hopeful that all the artists would want to be there and we would make a great show. And, and and you know, obviously trying to incorporate some of the things we did the year before where, where we just did a documentary version that everybody seemed to like. So instead of doing very short packages, we tried to keep with the more in-depth films as part of the induction process and still allow enough time to show some of the speeches and, and the performances and things like that.
1: I just remember in LA when Delta hit in July, I want to say it was. There had been the everyone's vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. They were scraping the six feet social distance stickers off the sidewalk. It seemed like we were in the clear and then the mask mandate like came back into effect and it just sounded like, oh no, we might really not be back to doing big events. Like did Delta come in to play at all or were you guys just going to push on no matter what?
3: Well, keep in mind that this show was done in Cleveland.
1: Uh, oh, that's right. We were there that i forget you know thank you good reminder
3: cleveland is a little bit looser than yep. los angeles and new york is so i don't know about you guys but when i was in cleveland you know i'd go to local restaurants where in la you still have to walk in with a mask on mm-hmm. in, in cleveland oh, yeah. there was nobody wearing masks anywhere and certainly very few masks in the audience, but still, our crew and the production team and everybody working on the show and the artists themselves were all following our strict COVID protocol and following, you know, the rules to keep everybody safe. And as everybody heard, we did have an artist, you know, drop out right at the last minute because of COVID. Not in Cleveland, but you know, Brian Adams had COVID right before he was going to get on a plane to come to Cleveland, and we had to replace him. So that was the only casualty, so to speak.
0: So he never made it to the. Point of rehearsals. Uh tested positive, I think two days before
2: his rehearsal or the day before he's supposed to leave. So I think crazy. we found out the Wednesday, the
0: Wednesday morning before the show. So he was supposed to be a part of the Tina Turner tribute, obviously yes. playing playing his uh the duet he once did with Tina. Yes. I would love to know. I mean, yeah. what, what do you do? How did you get Keith Urban? Was that the most stressful? Part of the whole thing? I don't know. I kind of love that stuff because it kind of <laughs> gets
2: your adrenaline flowing. I found, uh-huh. out, I found out the news on Brian as I was at the airport in LA about to get on a plane to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some calls. We had talked about Keith earlier on about the show because he's somebody we've always wanted on the show. He was actually supposed to be on a few years ago to induct Dire Straits. But when Mark Knopfler decided not to show up, Keith was going so out of his way to get there. He was literally going to leave rehearsals for a, one of the Country Music Award shows in Vegas to get there, but ended up not coming. So we spoke and we all felt Keith was the best idea for a potential replacement for a lot of reasons. And I think I made one quick call before I got on the plane and actually while in transit to Cleveland, we got him confirmed. Thank God for American Airlines (laughs) Wi-Fi.
1: Wow. Oh, on the plane. Love that. on the
2: plane booking.
1: It's one of those things too, where when it happened, Keith Urban is in so many ways, just such a natural replacement for, I wouldn't have thought that until I saw it happen. And I was like, oh yeah, this sounds good. And it looks right. They have a similar vibe. He's the heir apparent.
2: Well, good news was, cause you don't, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be, could be in Australia for all we know, but luckily he was in Nashville. Luckily his schedule was open.
3: And we also, we also knew that he was a big fan of hers. And he had asked uh, on a previous show that I had done, if there was a possibility, if he could do something with her. So we knew that would appeal to him.
1: Oh, even and he better.
3: Toured with, he toured with
2: Brian. They were friend, They're friendly. He's a great guitar player. It's made sense for a lot of reasons. So he was great. He fit that in so well. That was one we of the really, really best it.
1: parts of that tribute. I really, I had inverse expectations going in. And it turned out that that was my favorite of the well, your your songs. job is
3: your job is to have inverse expectations for the whole show, isn't it?
1: I mean, it really is, and <laughs> I it, it, you got me on that yeah. one. I really well, and I you know I had talked a lot of trash on Brian Adams in our previous episodes, and I felt very guilty that he did come down with COVID. That you cursed him personally. Uh, that I cursed yeah. him personally with and you COVID. Cursed,
3: you cursed him pretty bad because he got COVID again. Did you hear what? that? I saw that. Yeah, he no. got a second
0: non-consecutive term of COVID. No, you guys mentioned Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, the new venue. Was that something that was a decision on your end or were you
3: just kind of told this is where the ceremony is going to be, make it work. That's what we were told uh, because, you know, obviously the last several years, years I've done it and years other producers have done it, we were doing it at, uh, what was the name of the place? Public Hall. The Public Hall in Cleveland, probably much one smaller. of the- smaller. It's smaller, but not that small. It held, held like 8,000 people. And and much older venue. Very rock and roll kind of venue, very old venue. And the problem was there was not a lot of um, confidence when we try to hang set pieces or big screens. Mm. Yeah, you know, there was always like how much extra engineering do we have to do? How much fastening do we have? You know, it was just such an old place, not to mention that coming back to Cleveland after being away from it for a while. I think they they thought, especially with this class mm-hmm. of you know 12, 13 inductees and a lot of great names, I think it was appealing to Cleveland to try to go to the bigger arena and also, you know, raise more money and sell more tickets. And they had no problem selling it out. It's funny when they booked the arena, they were told that because of the whole schedule changing with the NBA because of COVID that the NBA season wasn't going to start till like close to Christmas, which turned out not to be true, right? (laughs) But they had already booked it. So Cleveland had to open their first two weeks of the season on the road. I'm sure the Cavaliers weren't happy about that, but, (laughs) but but they had booked it a year in advance and that's what we got. And it turned out to be a great venue. So we were very happy about it. Yeah.
0: I felt like watching it in terms of the production value it was as high as I've ever seen in terms of lights and, you know, the backdrop. Was that the case? And because of the size of, of the venue, what you were capable of?
3: I think a combination of size and also just, you know, getting the right team together, you know, we gel on all cylinders, our creative team, our art director, our production designer, our, our lighting designer, our screens uh, producer, you know, we all sort of came together and what we wanted you know, everybody to do. It wasn't just like four separate departments working on their own. Everybody sort of were aligned. We had a lot of calls and, and I think it just all gelled really nicely. And, you know, we worked closely with all the artists so they would be happy with the looks. So they wouldn't just show up and say, this is your background they were all involved with mm-hmm. everything we did. That's great. I have a
0: very specific question yeah. <laughs> and I don't and I don't know if it ever got to you guys, but it was something that Kristen and I noticed from where we were sitting. The way that the lights were projecting from the stage. Some of the lights hit the audience in a way that was blinding them. There were like two spotlights in particular. It was really fascinating from where we were sitting because we watched that section of the seats band together and start to revolt and start to like, try and yell in unison to turn the lights off. And eventually we did notice that the lights were pitched up an angle to then take it out of blinding.
1: Yeah. It range. was about 20 minutes in that, like it never happened again, but during Taylor Swift's speech in particular, they yeah, were really trying mistake. to get the attention. Oh, did so you, did, did it the make Taylor, it back?
3: Taylor Swift's speech. The first minute of her speech was a like Foo Fighters look or something. It was like blinding lights out into the audience. It was, and and the the board got stuck and they couldn't get rid of it. Like usually those kind of mistakes you fix in five seconds. Mm -hmm. They really took almost a full minute to fix it. And it was very stressful for me in the truck because I also had Taylor's manager in the truck. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't, and it was, the light was blowing out the camera so much. It's almost like you couldn't see Taylor. She was so blown out on screen. And you're right. Like we'd cut to Carol King in the audience. You know she was like almost blown out.
2: I was sitting in one of those seats, I'm like, What the hell's going on here? So, yeah. uh,
3: so that was the only time that I'm aware of it happened the first minute of Taylor's speech. If it happened any other time, it was mainly because Kristen was there and we wanted to, to curse her. I it did, door. I did, I did
1: say I would like to curse the people with the worst seats, uh, with also yeah. being blinded. I would like wow. for everyone in the ultimate nosebleeds to feel worse about, uh, you, their guys, have,
3: you guys didn't have good seats. You I thought, guys gonna upgrade. I thought you were gonna upgrade.
0: We were okay. Um,
2: we had it, good it was- not blinded We, we had a good
1: view, but we could see the people who were being... It was like the, the top of the top of the back center section. It was like the lights were going... It was just like a... Directly ins- into their eyeballs. Directly into their <laughs> eyeballs. So they were like turning around. It was people like holding cowering, stuff, um, holding their coats above them. And to, they were yelling. Witness. They would like and they this went, on, together. this
3: went on beyond the Taylor Swift, Swift speech? Not, not really. I think it, it, it was it resolved. It came
1: back like once and they like freaked out, but it was corrected after carol king was done i don't think it ever happened again but okay, it happened good. a few times where we were kind of like are they gonna fix this you know yeah. like it, it it was
0: we were curious if word would get down from what was happening way up there oh, we, to- say it.
3: we see it on the monitor we, we could tell that it didn't look good and we could tell i you know again i didn't know how badly it was blinding the audience. But for me, it was more blinding the cameras who were mm. sort of out there with the audience. If you think about it, they're like another audience member and lights were going right into the cameras and that was blowing out our shots. So we had to spend a lot of time and money trying to color correct blown out shots. If you watch the first minute of Taylor Swift, a lot of work was put into that. The first minute of her speech, her performance was fine. Uh, there, there was no uh, lighting issues with her performance but you know then there was like the eight minute Carol Kane film and then out of the film you bring out Taylor and for some reason the wrong lighting cue came on and and you're right even when they fixed it there was a moment where it sort of went back and then they fixed it again. Anyway, let's never talk about it again. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, I we'll mean- p-
1: Close the book on that. It was just kind of like a fascinating thing where we were like, huh, all the way up here. Do these people have any <laughs> any sway? Yeah.
3: It's, it's 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 times like that where you go, okay, thank God the show's not live. So we can mm-hmm. fix it, we right. can tweak it, mm-hmm. and, uh, and no harm, no foul.
1: Well, and watching it, you would never, know, you no. No, absolutely not. I, I wasn't in any way noting
0: Good. it. So you guys had- 13 inductees to address this ceremony considerably more than we've had in recent years. Yeah. Potentially ever, maybe in the early years, if you look at some of those side categories, if you look at like, the second year or whatever, but for a fully era. <laughs> fully produced yeah television special era, this is a lot. I mean, obviously we saw the way that was handled. You know, side categories get their moment on the kind of documentary side, and then you give more time to the. Performer inductees and you, and you strike a balance between posthumous inductees and who's there and who can perform. I'm curious what the stages of the process of, of figuring that out were like and how you tackled an issue like that, because you're also not trying to have a nine hour ceremony. Uh, You're trying to keep it within the the range (laughs) of, uh, you know, what is normal for the hall, which is hopefully less than five hours. But that's something you thought of immediately, or if there were other avenues you considered going down to address that?
3: Well, I mean, listen, I'm not involved with uh, that process as far as how many get elected into the hall. And of course, when I got handed like this... Mission. Here's 13 inductees. Now go make a tight show. I mean, it's like that's usually, that's usually how it begins. And I have no saying, like, well, if you want me to make a tight show, why don't we only have eight inductees like we did the year before and many years before that? So once I got over that, which took a few months, no, I'm kidding, you know, a few, a few hours, a few days, then yeah, you start thinking about. Well, obviously, the the ones that have passed away, the Billy Prestons, you know, the Randy Rhodes, you know, the Gil Scott Herons and, and those Todd kinds.
1: Todd Well,
3: no, no, definitely not Todd Rundgren. We'll
1: come back to Todd Rundgren. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you talk about the people that have, have passed. You know, We thought you know we'll do a nice little film, maybe a little bit shorter, but still try to tell their story. We don't want to sell them short. We want to give them their due. And then we added the idea of also getting an artist to say a few words about them to introduce the film. And a lot, you got to see it both ways. Live, you saw the artist introduce the film. And on TV, we sort of integrated the artist talk. We didn't plan to do that. That's some of the things that happen when you get to an edit room and you need to make the show tighter. Things you didn't plan on doing, you end up doing. Like Tom Morello was supposed to introduce Randy Rhodes, but turns out what he said worked really well as sort of an integration through line to sort of take us through it. Same thing with work with with, uh, Pharrell, Pharrell. same thing happened. Mm -hmm. I think Common was the only one that remained intact because Gil Scott had so much talking already, didn't work as well. So we just tightened it up and Common introduced Gil Scott like you saw it. But to answer your question, yeah, all of those films were uh, for artists that either couldn't be, I think like Craftwork, that was like one member, right, of Craftwork that's still alive, or two. One of the two primary Right, and, they, and he wasn't right. coming yeah. anyway, so we sort of treated it the same way. So that's how you gain some time there by keeping them tighter, but never tight enough for, you know, some people on, on not Rick, we're talking about other people. <laughs> You're know, always, like, always like, can you make it shorter? Can you make it this? You know, there's obviously suggestions, you know, about how do we make the show three hours live you know and, and and to try to tighten all this stuff up and it was like impossible so we didn't we did we did him as tight as we could without without you know losing the integrity of their story and still telling their story and things like that and then you have someone like todd Rundgren, who uh, of course is a main inductee but had made it very clear from the start that he wasn't coming so we still gave him a, a solid film about six minutes long and got the great Patti Smith to introduce it, which we thought was really great. And I don't know if Todd has seen it or not, but if he hasn't, uh, fine. But if he has, I'm sure he's not bad-mouthing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. I don't think he should. I think we treated him fairly. And uh, I think his fan base was appreciative of what we did under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And even gave him sort of an acceptance speech. By showing that little yeah. clip from the, the <laughs> commencement <denial> speech, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, a declining
1: yeah. speech. Well, when you had that
3: already on record in the archives, we were like, what better way to end the Todd Run? I, I thought it was perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. you
1: had to. You absolutely yeah, had to. Yeah, it was to. true
0: to the spirit of Todd in many ways, including that final note for sure. Much to your friend Karen Glover's dismay. I
1: mean, surely.
0: And then you have, of
3: course, uh, Charlie um, Patton. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And we who only had one photograph on record anywhere, so we couldn't yep. really make a package. So Gary Clark was like our our film. He came on, said a few words, and did a beautiful job on on an old guitar that almost felt like it could have been Charlie's guitar, and just crushed it. I thought he did a great job, and that gave us uh, that moment. Yeah, and and the rest are are like yeah. Well, we mix, we changed it up a little bit. Like some of the artists came right out of the film and performed. We had never done that before. That was that was again trying to increase the pacing of the show, mm-hmm. and that. Have back-to-back long talks. So Dr. Dre would talk about LL. He'd throw to the film, which already had a lot of performance in it, mm-hmm. get the crowd energized, and then go right to LL's big performance. And then a sweaty LL Cool J <sighs> comes over to the podium and does his short acceptance speech. So I think that worked well for, for the Go-Go's. It worked well for the Foo Fighters. And of course it worked well for LL. So I thought that was a good improvement also.
1: Well, that LL performance, I mean, I, I know we've kind of like been skipping around and I know we'll come back to some of those films and things. I do especially want to talk about the Craftwork film, but that LL performance, it, Joe and I turned to each other agog. Like our mouths were just gaping we were not prepared for that level of production to happen and for ll cool j2 he went so hard he did not have to and he just he simply blew the roof off the place like it was yeah outstanding
3: he definitely started thinking about it right away uh he put a a very strong creative team behind him we put a strong creative team to work with them obviously having j-lo and eminem making appearances in the middle of it obviously doesn't hurt it only helps especially a
2: surprise you know surprises ahead of
3: time
1: unreal
3: but 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 you're right though it was all but ll himself he came out and he I know he's not really a singer, but he sang his ass off. He wrapped his ass off, sang his ass off. He just delivered perhaps the best performance of his career and he saved it for a really special night. It was
1: unbelievable. I mean, you could feel it in the building and then watching it again, I watched last night and it reads so well. The absolute joy that he has doing it. You can tell he took it seriously. He um, understood the assignment, some might say. The J-Lo thing too, I'm so curious about what was it like getting those guests and how long had you known and how long were you keeping it a secret? And also, especially how long was J-Lo in Cleveland total? (laughs) I got the feeling that she stepped off a helicopter in that outfit onto the stage, (laughs) then left stage, said bye-bye, and then walked back out onto a helicopter. Grabbed a rope and then was...
2: (laughs) She was actually in the middle of production of a movie in Vancouver. Hmm.
1: Oh, just around the corner from Cleveland. <laughs> around the
2: corner. So she, she got in late the night before. Or, or early early the morning of, really. I think just she got in like, like three o'clock in the
3: morning or something like
2: that. Yeah. And then rehearsed, we rehearsed that morning. I mean, we've known both she and Eminem. We knew about them for, we've been working on it for a while, but we knew for a couple of weeks, mutually decided with LL's management to, uh, if you notice some, some of the additional guests were announced, we decided not to announce that one because right. we thought that could really get the crowd really excited. And it, I think that was a
0: wise move. Agreed. In retrospect. It was a surprise to us. You know, people who, who have poured over the guest lists and- well, I didn't tell you. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, in the full effect, uh, we screamed. Yeah. I'll say it. It That's was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the longer packages this year, does that afford you a little bit more time to
3: set up for the performances? Yes. That's not why we did it, but it definitely worked out because we didn't have a turntable stage. Sometimes on some of these shows, when you have constant changes of performances and different setups, you need to have this revolving stage. But we literally are, we're doing it the old-fashioned way. We we're striking equipment one way and bringing new equipment in the other way. And certainly, if we only had three-minute packages or four-minute packages like we've had in the past, there may have been some stop downs, which right. definitely we didn't want to have. You know, in that room, we wanted the room to really feel like it was alive, fast-moving four and a half hour show. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's an oxymoron, but it just, yeah. So it turned out that that was, that was a benefit of having longer films, but that certainly wasn't the sole motivation for doing it that way. Right. And all the films you may not have noticed, cause we try to do it in a delicate way. They all got trimmed a little bit more. We had, they were longer than we mm-hmm. trimmed them more for the live show, but then we still had to trim them some a minute, some as much as two minutes shorter by the time it got to TV. Yeah, I did notice that. And I I feel
0: like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys didn't remove anything completely. You just trimmed with like 13 inductees, you can trim just a little bit on every segment and lose an hour that way to get the broadcast tighter. Because I don't think there, I don't recall seeing anything that wasn't there that was removed from No, nothing, nothing
3: was eliminated. The, the Probably the biggest edit we made is we made the Clarence Avant section more of a package, even though it doesn't really play like a package. Once you get into it and we have Lionel out there, but we sort of had Lionel and the Clarence mm-hmm. film and then the Clarence acceptance speech all sort of play as one thing. And so a mm-hmm. 13 and a half minute segment that it was maybe is now six minutes on TV, but nobody really missed anything. But you're right, like Dr. Dre's speech might've been eight minutes live but on tv was like four and a half minutes but you know i, I challenged people AZ's to say
1: speech definitely got trimmed a little bit yes. too. everybody
3: uh, everybody's speech uh Got trimmed, except for maybe Paul McCartney, because he didn't really say much. Anyway, right? Yeah, that's a little yeah. editorial
0: uh, on the yeah. side. <laughs> there. In ceremonies past, you would see like a performer would do three songs, and then the broadcast you'd only see two.
3: Okay, there were some things like that, like where the Go Go's did three songs. We mm-hmm. combined the first two songs with their permission. Mm-hmm. We we said we could just put two songs in, or we could try to combine Vacation and and um, Our. Our Lister Lister Seal. Seal. And so right. we did an edit and I loved it. And we did it. The Foo Fighters were sort of smart. They came in with all three songs like already connected. It's like, yep. <laughs> like how are you going to cut this? You know? And and they cut them all down. Those three songs should have been 13, 14 minutes. They did them in nine minutes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so, so it would just, it would fly by. Yeah. And I would say uh, some of the other ones, yeah, you couldn't really cut because, Everybody was doing individual stuff like Jennifer Hudson did her own thing, Carol King mm-hmm. did her own thing. Carol King's song already was trimmed way down from the record. Obviously she did a shorter version of it. And then you have um, the tribute to Tina Turner. Everybody was sort of doing a shorter version of the song. Christina, uh, we cut maybe 10 15 seconds of um of Which is uh, just River like D. two
1: just two runs. runs, two, vocal runs. <laughs> <laughs> two vocal runs. Two vocal runs. Yeah, snip those. You buy yourself twenty seconds right there. Yeah,
3: exactly. So I mean, there's just little things like that we would do. But, you know, like I said, most of the other cuts came from speeches and 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 packages. Yeah, but we didn't cut anything out of the show. Right. Yeah, and I think
0: you maintained the the gist really well of every yeah. segment without. Having to lose a song, which you know is is a bummer when that has to. It happen. was actually more like eighty minutes, right, Joel? You had to cut out.
3: Yeah, I cut out. What I said was four hours and thirty minutes, and it ended up being three hours and fifteen minutes. So what is that? Seventy-five minutes, Five minutes we cut yeah. out. Right. But remember, there's, there's also probably some transitions that we just tightened up and again like I said the the short films got shorter because instead of having an intro in a film mm-hmm. they sort of played as one thing so every one of those maybe got to be a minute shorter you know things like that they they all add up yeah and and the the
0: cohesive final product does not feel like it is missing anything that's our goal great job for the post process thank you let's go through the the ceremony chronologically taylor swift doing the the carol king induction is this something that Carol comes to you with the idea you work with Carol to find somebody. Is, is there ever a moment where like an artist pitches to
3: you? Well, I think, I think LL is the best example. He came to us saying he would like to perform with Lo and Eminem Mm-hmm. Eminem was originally, I guess we could say this, right? Eminem was originally supposed to induct LL. Mm-hmm. And then ah. when, when he wanted to perform with Eminem, Eminem sort of you know said he'd rather just perform. And that's when they got, I don't want Dr. Dre to feel like he's the second choice because it sort of all happened simultaneously you know, between the LL camp and all these individual camps. So, you know, Dr. Dre, Eminem, and JLo. Yeah. But a lot of that came out of the LL camp. On the Carol King side, I think that was more like just our knowledge that we knew that Taylor was actually given an award not too long ago by Carol right. We had met before and had worked together before. And, you know, we knew both Rick Krim knew and and some of the other people on our board knew that Taylor was a huge fan of Carol. So obviously it was a no brainer to ask her and Carol obviously blessed it. And Taylor obviously said yes. And then it was Taylor's idea to do sort of a pop synth version of uh, Will You Love Me Tomorrow. That was all from her. Okay. And uh, and mm-hmm. Carol loved that. And so did we. It was sort of a cool, unique way of opening the show.
2: But just in general, usually we'll come up with some ideas on our own. We'll have our research and so forth and speak to the inductees camps and make sure they're, you know, obviously we don't want to have somebody that they don't like. It, it works well. The processes generally work pretty well, mutually finding, uh, landing on the right people. And obviously knowing you have the inductees blessing and when you go to someone to pitch this is a nice thing to have so you don't have a steve miller
0: situation exactly yeah that's the one that comes to mind lessons learned from that one i suppose well yeah well he actually knew about it you know he whined about it afterwards but i felt, i actually felt bad for
2: the black keys because we did it was our idea and we did his camp knew and i guess decided later didn't like the idea he decided I didn't like a lot of things. Later. Yeah. yeah, classy
0: move, Steve. Classy move. the The Jennifer Hudson thing seems like an an obvious choice given. I mean, I think Carol mentioned it in the live show that they had written a song together within the past year or so. So you know that yeah. makes and sense. And obviously, coming
2: out the movie, the, the mm-hmm. film had just come out in August, mm-hmm. and. Jennifer loves, loves Carol. And, you know, Carol's one of those ones, I think we could have booked a lot of people for that segment mm-hmm. uh, based on- Well, and university. you saw
3: how all the great people we also had in her film, Alicia Keys, yeah. and Rodrigo and Sarah Bareilles and Tom Hanks. So there were a lot of people that just, even if they couldn't be there, they wanted to participate. Right.
0: I, I don't think Carol performs live that much anymore. She seems to have, you know, her life away from show business, but I was happy to see that she did perform- and was that ever in question that she would perform herself?
3: I think very early on, I got mixed messages of whether or not she was going to perform. And then once I started talking to her daughter, Sherry, there was no doubt she wanted to perform. In fact, at one time she talked about doing a medley. But then we, you know, after further discussion, uh, she decided that just doing You've Got a Friend, the perfect icing on the cake coming after uh, You know, Taylor doing a performance and Jennifer doing a performance and a film. You know, that segment was already getting pretty long. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) it was good. It was a wise choice just to do You've Got a Friend.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad she performed, given that the induction itself, even though she had been inducted as a songwriter before, the fact that she was being inducted as a performer this time around to have her perform is meaningful for the Occasion. without a
3: doubt and carol you know uh paid for and invited her uh, band members the people that she's worked with for 40 years to come out and play with her which was pretty cool
0: yeah that was cool to see those old session guys get up there and play the songs and you know some of them had played on the album tapestry itself and so that yeah. was really that was exciting why don't we take a quick break uh and then we come back we will have more rock hall induction ceremony talk with joel gallin and rick crim we'll be right back Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice little break. We hope you hydrated yourself over the break. Yep. Yeah, so we've, we've talked about the LL Cool J section already. Uh, that was just blew our minds. Unbelievable. Um, and, it's, and it seemed like his team really put a lot of thought into how they wanted this to go. There were so many different people involved. I mean, we mentioned J Lo and Eminem, of course, but also a crew of b boys was involved in in matching white hoodies.
1: Cleveland's finest.
3: Cleveland's finest, or were those were those yeah, local I'm curious hires? Or curious was about it
1: these these dancers? The
3: ones that came out at the end for "Mama Said yeah. Knock You Out"? Yeah, they were just local Cleveland. Uh, people that we hired, uh, not hired, I think they were volunteers pretty much um, that had some, you know, dance move experience. And uh, we had a quick, I think somebody at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had worked with a bunch of different, you know, sort of choirs that move, I guess was the, you know, sort of like our Mm -hmm. prerequisite, make sure they're not just singers, but they know how to take direction. And there's a very highly uh, regarded, pretty well-known choreographer named Hi-Hat who worked with them uh who came out as part of LL's team to get them to that place yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was also fun where we were sitting we could see
0: them waiting in the wings ready to go up we were yeah. like something's about to happen
1: yeah
0: i was very cool that uh ll included you know a lot of the dj's that he has worked with from Cut Creator to E Love to Z Trip, and of course that's a, a
3: big place where we uh, shortened the show,
0: mm-hmm. right? I mean, <laughs> those, poor, those
3: poor guys. We yeah. just didn't have time to let them uh, stay on TV, but they got their moment in Cleveland, so that's good. They we also weren't being inducted, so that was that yeah. was weird. I though. mean,
0: <laughs> it's it is a it is a rare and kind of bold move, and and but you know, nice in the moment to let the people who have helped you also get a turn on the mic they were not being inducted but you know I, i've been
1: holding this bejeweled boombox for 30 <laughs> years and nice to finally be recognized i thought dr dre's speech was so great i loved how personal it was it felt like he was in the room it really felt like he was talking just to ll it and pretty it pretty much it, was it, yeah. exactly yeah. and it read that way on screen and it was so like oh man oh that that was something funny that we noticed when we were watching the the live edit you know during the ceremony is the first time you cut to LL. It's like everyone around him has their phones out and is recording. And then the second cut back to him, it's like they've Gone. been told <laughs> to put their phones on. No, oh,
3: we didn't tell them to put their phones down. So I guess oh, they just did. Really? Yeah. They oh, must have good. seen it and been like that. They like thought silly. It's not it. on the big screen. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: Possible. It was so
3: funny. Doing a lot of these live shows now, whether it's that moment or just in, on the performance stuff, I just you have to get used to it. I mean, this is the world we live in now. Yeah. You don't hear as much applause anymore because everybody is holding their phone like you go mm-hmm. you look at one of those early shots of Taylor Swift or even LL Cool J I have this dolly going back and forth and in the foreground you see all these heads but you also see shots of uh, on their phones because that's what everybody's doing everybody's mm-hmm. holding their phones and you just got to get used to it that's the way it mm-hmm. is now but I'm not going to get on the loudspeaker and go hey everybody put your phone away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not the best move no momentum
0: killer did Dr. Dre know he didn't have to hunch over the microphone Yes, he did, and, and, and
3: uh, we, I did not do the year he was inducted with N.W.A., because he did it that year too when he did his acceptance speech. Mm -hmm. And somebody reminded me of that. So I reminded my stage manager to tell him that right before he went out. Yeah. Didn't matter. And what he heard
1: was, oh, lean over the microphone. Punch more? Punch (laughs) punch a lot more? Okay, great.
0: (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Uh, I I have a very specific nerd question. In the trailer for the special, the LL Cool J shirt that Eminem is wearing is whited out. It is removed and then for the ceremony, it is back. I'm assuming that. Well, is a-
3: actually, even in the trailer, it got restored. If you watch the trailer sort of later, like closer to air to air date, they, they couldn't, I guess they didn't have it cleared initially. That was HBO. It's yeah, that was HBO all code. HBO. We were never going to we had no intention of blurring anything out on the show. It, the way promos work is different than shows and it's different clearances and different legal. Oh, and interesting. They, have be, they have to be more careful, I guess. So they, since they wanted to get the trailer out so quickly, they didn't know if it would clear. So they played it safe and they they whited it out. I never saw that, but apparently they did fix it eventually. They did.
1: Well, Eagle Eye Quazala was on the case. Uh, Nothing gets by me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The second the trailer dropped, he's in there.
0: Yeah, I've got strings <laughs> and note note cards on my wall just connecting everything. It's a real mess. We mentioned the speeches after the performance trend this year. That
3: came from you
0: guys that was a production idea. Yeah. It
3: was my it was really it was my idea. It was, it was just one of these things that after doing the show for so many years, I was trying, especially thinking about the room. Have you been to the show before this year? You guys been to the live show? Mm-hmm. We
1: went to the one in 2019. 2019. And i had been to the okay. one in
3: 2017. Yeah, but anyway, the point is, no matter what year you went, you would have always seen this moment where they finished their acceptance speech. And then they're like, okay, now we're gonna go and play. And there's yeah. this mm-hmm. awkward moment where they walk over, if they're a band- Strap they their guitars. Volume, mm-hmm. they Strap in, they gotta make sure they're in tune. It just doesn't feel, the energy sort of gets sucked out of the room. And I thought these films, especially now that we've made them longer and more detailed, and there's so much music in the films, if we can come right out of the films into a performance, And the artists, you know, again, it was an experiment to see if it would work. And when the Go-Go said yes, and the Foo Fighters said yes, and LL said yes. LL was really smart, though. Like, the Go-Go's and the Foo Fighters would be harder to do because there's so many of them. They were backstage during their speech because LL was by himself. He elected to sit at the table. That's how you got that great chemistry between Dre. Mm -hmm. You would not have had that if LL was backstage. But he was able, because we were going to the film right before his performance, he had plenty of time to get backstage and get ready for the performance right out of the film. But yeah, I, I, I thought it worked really well and would definitely continue that trend in the future.
1: I think it's great because they're winded, they speak less, uh, exactly. you have shorter speech. Especially- By the way, I,
3: I was thinking the same thing. They mm-hmm. won't go that long because yeah. they're, 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 you know, they're winded. They feel like they just did what they wanted to do, which is perform. Mm-hmm. Nerves are gone. But I felt like everybody really did follow the guidelines uh, of, of what I gave to everybody for timing. I was really very clear about how long each speech should be. And most people even live in the room, you know, everybody went, you know, some went a little long, like Dre definitely went long, but I didn't feel guilty trimming them to the time I, we agreed on. And she certainly didn't complain about it. So yeah, that's the good thing. You tell people this is how long it should be. And if they go longer, you know, and you, and you have to trim it for posts, it's no big deal. Nobody's going to complain.
0: So we've talked about artist input in their own induction. Now, Tina Turner wasn't there. You know, she has her life, her beautiful life in Switzerland. I'm curious how much input she wanted to have in her own induction, or if it was just kind of like, "That's great, you guys do what you want, have fun." Roger Davies, her very well-known manager, is yeah. an old friend, so
2: we were talking to Roger early on, obviously to get make sure we could get, get Tina on board. And I think early, we had a few conversations with Roger, just brainstorming some ideas. But once we really got rolling, we just went ahead and came up with the ideas and booked what we thought were three really great, unique performances. So I kept Roger in the mix, but it's not like with Angela Bassett, they were very happy. That that came. That was our idea. And they were very happy with that. And she did a great job. And... Did you
1: know you were getting Maya Angelou when you booked Angela Bassett? <laughs> were, you, were you aware? Well, I... we, knew we, were getting, we knew we were
3: getting a very good actress and we didn't know that she was... Was going to give us that kind of performance, but I thought it, <laughs> I thought it worked okay.
1: It was fascinating watching it again. I was like, "Wow!" I uh, another moment <laughs> where I was a go- I was agog in a different way. Uh, I was like, yeah. "I I just was not expecting that," and that is
0: she made a choice.
1: She really made a choice that she she committed.
0: Yeah. You can't say she didn't commit. <laughs> you could not. <laughs> yes, we agree. So we got footage of Tina Turner accepting the induction. Do you contract somebody
3: already in Switzerland for that? Or do you send people out to do that? We we did not have a crew in Switzerland. They had, they had a crew, I guess they had shot Tina before. So they knew a crew. Actually, I think the crew came from Italy, uh, which is very close to Switzerland, obviously. And so I talked to him and told them sort of what we wanted. And, and obviously Tina is, you know, has had some health issues over the last few years. So she's not herself. So her husband was there too, sort of helping her along. And, uh, when I first saw that we only got about 35 seconds, I was concerned, but it was it was 35 seconds of gold. And uh, I thought she was great, and I, I thought she said all the things that she should say. Uh, I thought she came off great, and she looked amazing. She did, she did not- yeah. Yeah.
1: She's a living legend. I think everybody's going to be happy with whatever she gives you. That's how I feel. I'll take 35 seconds of her any day.
3: We had to break the rules, but I think with, with Tina Turner is the exception to every rule. The rule usually is, if you can't be there, you know, we don't usually do pre-taped acceptances, you know, because that, that could be one complaint that Todd Rundgren could have right now. He could say, Hey, how come you didn't let me do a pre-take acceptance? Yeah,
1: when you you're say- you Tina Turner. You, you said, yeah. well, when you, when you have the Break Every Rules tour, then you're allowed to break every rule.
3: <laughs> Good point.
1: Um, <laughs> so-
3: Yeah. So
1: i Just a little Tina for you. Yeah. Uh- <laughs>
3: Tina's reason was much different than Todd. Mm-hmm. Tina physically couldn't be there. She's
1: 81. She lives in Switzerland. She's
3: retired. And- direct to Cleveland isn't exactly the easiest trip. So. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: not a direct flight-
0: also,
3: Todd
1: Somebody was say, in state, as we that,
3: know. Yeah. Todd, Todd was down. Todd, Todd was too far away in Canton, Ohio, so it was really hard for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he was in
0: Cincinnati, but still, you know, he was in state. So, he was in uh,
3: Cincinnati. He was in Canton the night before. You're right. He was in. He was off on Thursday. You know the whole story. We offered him. Uh, you know, maybe he could meet, move his Cincinnati date to Thursday because he was off and be free on Saturday. Uh, and he wasn't uh, on he board if he wanted to. He could. He could have been there if he wanted to. We know that for sure. That much is clear. Yeah. We got, yeah, we got to him well before his tickets went on sale, but he made a Brutal. choice. I believe that you guys tried. Uh, and I also yeah. believe he
0: is a, you know, unmovable. Uh, I also believe that- it, it, didn't,
3: it didn't help that his manager, uh, Eric Gardner, had a stroke oh. during all of this. And uh, I hope he's doing well. hope he's recovering. But we really couldn't communicate as passionately as we'd like to because, he himself really was not in any position to bring our messages to Todd. Right Now,
1: if I can just offer just a piece of, you know, something to, you know, make you feel a little better, I do think it wouldn't have made any difference. Oh, ah, nice. Uh, that is oh. just for me, that is what I think.
3: thank you for that little throwing so them in, throwing in the just, references, just throwing them in, just peppering <laughs>
1: them. That's what I'm here for.
3: You have you've got two now, so we'll keep, we'll keep it
0: score. <laughs> okay, <laughs> getting back to the Tina Turner, uh, you know, I Mickey Guyton was a bit of a surprise choice, just given you know, she's maybe not as well known as some of the other artists. She certainly had a, a very exciting year, but she's also in the country genre. What was the thinking behind her for Tina Turner? Oh, well, I think just
2: that. We try to keep a diverse list group of artists. She, yes, to your point, she had a great year.
0: She you know, she co-hosted one of the award shows, ironically, with Keith Urban. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I was not expecting uh, two country artists to be well, a part of it. <laughs> you know, oh, we weren't either. We weren't either, right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I think, you know, Tina transcends any particular genre and having representation from different genres. And, you know, you never want to force a country artist under the show but even last yeah, they year they have guns you know <laughs> <laughs> we had done a live show last year. You know, we're thinking that maybe the Doobie Brothers were the right place to put a country artist. So what if it feels appropriate, in this case, knowing we were going to do three different songs, it did. And Mickey's got a great voice. And yeah, it may not be a complete household name to everybody.
3: And, and and equally important is we did our research and Mickey, Mickey Guyton is a huge Tina Turner yeah. fan. It wasn't like we said, hey, do you want to do Tina Turner? Rick did the research. It's documented that when somebody asked her in an interview, who is like your favorite artist? Who are you most inspired by? And Tina Turner was the top of her list so it wasn't really a stretch at all for her to do it and we all know country artists aren't really country artists this is just uh you know Mm -hmm. a way to you know for them to uh anyway let me let me not get in
1: trouble
3: (laughs) I know a lot of country artists that used to be pop artists that moved to Nashville and now they're country artists added a steel guitar and then yeah yeah, maybe a violin it's all music it's all music they all love music and we're
1: in a post-genre world
0: Yes, I no doubt. In a lot of- and you know, also, I, I think Tina's first solo album is called "Tina Turns the Country On." So, if you want to pretend like that's a reference hey. to that, you can hey. do that.
3: See that um, you guys now you're now it's two, it's two for Kristen and one for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, right. No, mm-hmm. we're a little
0: little reference hungry.
3: Who is the
0: backing band for? Well, I saw,
2: I'm, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought we before you left that sucks for the show. I wanted to bring that up because they were great. Adam Blackstone, it's his band, who is a very well-known band leader. He's close to, like, the Roots Camp and so forth. And you, you see him all the time, whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. backing up major, major pop artists. Ironically, the next week he was on SNL, so.
3: On the American Music Awards, I'm sure you'll see him on the Grammys.
2: He's been Justin Timberlake's MD. He's been for a lot of major artists and great, great to work with. And we've worked with him in the past and going back to LL, you know, when initially LL was only wanting to use a DJ or DJs at the beginning did not want to have a band, which we were pushing very hard from the get go on, mm-hmm. knowing that would elevate the performance. And he did a couple other things in the meantime, he did that before the rains hit central park, that concert, uh, the, the, the welcome back New York show he did with a band. And I think that made him realize, well,
0: wow, I can really turn up the game with a with a full band behind me.
2: So yeah,
1: that was really it would would not have been the same
0: without the band. Mm -hmm. They were really great in ceremonies past. It was always Paul Schaefer. Uh, in his crew, and uh, it was exciting to see a, a new group in the mix who, yeah, backed up several artists that night. You know, the first three acts in the show. Right, yeah, really elevated elevated this the production and the sound, and I thought they and were the, really And great.
3: the thing is um, Adam has worked with all those artists before, so they were comfortable. Jennifer Hudson he had worked with before in, in Act 1, in Act 2, uh, LL Cool J obviously he had worked with before, and J-Lo, and Eminem for that matter, because wow. he, he was the band for the Rihanna Eminem tour like seven years ago, and then and of course, Christina Aguilera and her, and who else? Keith Urban and Mickey Guy. And he probably worked with Mickey too, but he definitely has worked with Christina a lot. So there was a great familiarity and comfort level with all these artists mm-hmm. when we said, Adam's going to be your band.
1: Which is great too, because you have such limited rehearsal time, you know, getting people to Cleveland, getting them on the day. It's great to work with somebody that you're comfortable with.
0: Yep. Let's go to the Clarence Avant section. Uh, you know, having seen the Black Godfather there are roughly, conservatively, 250 people who could have inducted Clarence that love him and are friends with him. Lionel Richie, was this a a Clarence pick? Was Clarence involved in his own induction? I know his speech was very
3: much like... It was about
1: Big John. If if this is happening, this is happening. That was to one person. Uh, Okay, thank you. That was another.
3: I think with Clarence, uh, there may have been, uh, there was a discussion of a handful of people, but, you know, obviously, like you said, there's so many people that would have been perfect, but Clarence uh, definitely was very much uh in favor and so was Nicole Clarence's daughter who we consulted also of having Lionel do it and we know Lionel's a great speaker and Lionel got a standing ovation when he walked out although I didn't I was wasn't able to show it in my edit unfortunately so uh, Lionel's listening to this podcast I'm really sorry that we To not show your standing ovation.
1: Yeah, he's an avid listener. I'm pretty sure one of our five-star reviews is from him.
3: Right, right, right. I'm excited that he finally can get
0: the recognition he deserves uh, in this moment uh, as he's listening casually. Shout out to our friend, Wills Naderic who produced the package for Clarence. Is he your friend? We had him on the show a few months ago. We did a whole month where we just talked to the editors of documentaries because this was such a, with Tina and the Go-Go's and Clarence, especially this yeah. was, you know, there were so recently some really great documentaries about these artists. Right. Kristen, he was working on it when we talked to him, but he did not tell us out of secrecy for the, for the project. Oh,
1: um, cool.
0: Also, I mean, it, he had all the footage he needed. That documentary is like an hour and a half. Rock Hall yeah. package. He just had yeah. to.
3: That is the only documentary in the show that we really just use the documentary. Right. No. No new footage. Yeah. Right. Go Go's. We did. We did new stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. Tina Turner. We did all new stuff. You know, we used a little bit from the Tina Turner thing, but but this one we just felt like you know, not a lot of people really no Clarence. And there's so many great testimonials already in the film. There was no reason to go out and shoot new stuff because we felt like we we're not everybody had seen it. You know, not everybody okay. is like yeah, tuned into it. So hopefully most people watching it on HBO and HBO Max, you know, are seeing some of that footage for the first time. Yeah, there's so many great nuggets
0: in that movie. And and a lot of our favorites made it into the cut, like the Jimmy yep. Jim, Terry Lewis being like Clarence Told us to ask for more money. Right. Uh, Ludacris talking about making the world a place where new clearance avants can happen.
1: His daughter talking about his purpose and how yes. he lives his purpose. I mean. Uh-huh. I- that documentary, I mean, it's my favorite one of the ones that we have watched of all of the inductees this year. I just, yeah, it's great source material. And it's like, what are you going to get better interviews than were already gotten for, like, <laughs> oh, right. it's, better it's access set up. to more high profile people? Like, probably not. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, we've got Obama, but can we do better? Right, right. <laughs> we talked about Rundgren already. We don't need to give him more time than was given to him in the induction ceremony. so let's let's talk about craft work for a little bit. My theory is that they don't know they were inducted. Was there in a, <laughs> Not, true. Not true. was 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 there an attempt to reach out to them? I mean, obviously, there must have been on some level, right? Yes. Did they call you back? Like, <laughs> I mean, there must have been an intermediary. I just know that there are all these stories about like, if you want to get a hold of craft work, you have to call them at the studio at this particular hour on this particular day. And then hopefully they'll pick up the phone or, you know, they communicate in, you know, folded up pieces of paper that just have one word on them. They're a very eccentric <laughs> group of guys. I'm curious if there was any attempt to get them to come to Cleveland and perform. Or they were whenever- certainly
2: invited to attend. I mean, to be honest, neither Joe or I were dealing with that. The Rock the rock Hall people, the Rock Hall were, mm-hmm. made the initial contact because we didn't, neither of us had a had a relationship there. And they respectfully declined to attend. And they did see the film. Oh, good. We had to get them to, um, to sign off on the music and they're not the easiest to get to approve things. And once they saw the film, the things were approved almost immediately. So... Oh, that's great! They they were happy with it.
1: That was one of our favorite films. That was one, you know. My sister came with us to the ceremony, and uh, she's 25, and she didn't know anything about craftwork. And at the end of it, was like, oh yeah, I would go see craftwork, or I'm gonna look them up. Like I feel like it really did a very effective job of showing why they were being inducted and then also kind of, of selling the category they were being inducted into particularly that part and we talked about this on the show before but like that part where it literally it's just a waterfall of people saying oh yeah i heard craftwork and then i bought a synth or i heard craftwork right. and i'm influenced by and craftwork craftwork like every formative band just kind of saying directly that it was craftwork who you yeah, know I, w-
3: I would say that film probably did the best job as far as teaching people who the artist was that's being Mm -hmm. abducted because they were the least known one of the least known so there was so much for them to learn and we had a great producer Rick Austin who's a huge Kraftwerk fan which is always important for any of these films You have to have someone who really knows a lot about the artist do it. It can't just be a job. It has to be like a labor of love. And that always shows and that's, you know, and and also to help guide Rick, you know, Rick was a big craftwork fan too. So he was, Helping make suggestions of who should be in there. But obviously, having Daryl from Run DMC in there and having James from uh, LCD, uh, those two guys, and of course, Martin Gore for a very brief cameo from Depeche Vote. In the past and current. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there could have been so many more. And of course, Pharrell being sort of the narrator, it just showed their their vast influence.
1: Well, and that perfect edit on the run. On the run. On Daryl. Um, yeah. On, on yeah.
3: Daryl's.
1: <laughs> Really is so great. effective at just kind of drawing the line so straight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a very good package. I think Daryl really should be
3: it. in every film for now on. I just, he's um, the best. He's, he's a
1: great interview. He yeah. really gives it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he, was in, he was
3: in the uh, J, uh, LL Cool J mm-hmm. film too. Yeah. Yes. His and enthusiasm His, his yeah. enthusiasm
1: and his knowledge, the fact that he was calling out LL in the Blue Kangle in the oh, film and you were able to cut to that and show that, that's yeah. like... He just was serving things up on a platter.
0: Let's let's talk about the Go Go's. We've got a great speech from Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore does a bit, and it pays off.
1: And hey, there's 30 seconds you can cut because she did have to put the towel on twice. And we great know that. Great job with
0: the edit;
2: you can't even tell. <laughs> By the way, the funny thing is, I forget what I was doing. I was not either at my table or in the truck for that point. I had to, I got a call. I had to go run and do something. I actually never knew that she did it twice. And when I watched the show, I still didn't know that she had done it twice. Well, somebody told me afterwards. So uh, well, she's she
1: such it. a professional. She knew even where to take it from so that the mm-hmm. edit would be easy.
2: It was seamless. I honestly, I, I actually did not know because I was running around and then saw it after.
3: Absolutely. She did a great job. She had so much energy. And really, her speech. You know, is a, is a great uh, blueprint for future speeches. I mean, it really—you could tell the fandom coming out of her. You know how much mm-hmm. of a huge fan. Doesn't matter. If she's not an artist. She's a movie star. Now she's a talk show host. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, she came out. She was real. She was so authentic. She really, when we went to her, she said yes, like before we can get the, the offer out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the kind of people you want. Uh, and, and they make the best speeches. It's like when, when uh, Dave Grohl and Taylor inducted Rush in 2013. It was very similar. They didn't put cold cream on their face. <laughs> but, yeah, my one but note. You, but you can feel how, they're, how much that band influenced them. And every so often, and probably not enough, we should have that more often, we have already, Dr. Dre was, was pretty enthusiastic about LL Cool J too.
1: He was such a great, the two best speeches of the night. I mean, just, she also wasn't afraid to be a big old dork about it. It was really yeah. endearing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I think it really came through, plus, it was very
3: sweet. Plus she sent me flowers. <gasps> to
1: all it's right so she's, a, she's moved into the number one slot <laughs> already she well,
2: when we, when we were good. talking to their camp about it you know again it was mutual discussions there was a list and their ideas being thrown back and forth and this happens a lot that a lot of times artists want want to have people that they're fans of to induct them so they're they have their idols induct and mm-hmm. you know more often than not you don't get the same level of passion and enthusiasm or I mean, if you look back at you know Neil Young inducting. Oh, Neil
3: band. Young wasn't that great when he inducted
2: the Pretenders. Sounds great on paper, and it's great, but it was you know it wasn't the same as somebody that grew up listening to a band and loving the band. Like I mean, Drew to me was the epitome of that. I mean, you saw a little bit of that with Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Was clearly Dave's yeah. It was a great moment. I'm sure they loved that. Alicia
3: Keys inducting. That. Alicia Keys inducting Prince comes to mind as again somebody who really thought about what you wanted to say and was so enthusiastic. And was such a fan, and was so influenced by them. So mm-hmm. you know, and we get we get a lot of those people in the films. Though, like Jack Black, obviously would have killed it to to uh, be to induct the Foo Fighters. But we have just,
1: talked about that, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. But just having him in the film, you know, and sprinkling him in the film and seeing his enthusiasm and passion was great.
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I also thought the
0: speeches from the Go-Go's, the acceptance speeches were really well divided because mm-hmm. especially with a group that doesn't have a single member spokesperson, like we've seen in the past, we have five people who definitely all want to speak and you don't want them to repeat themselves. Is that something they thought of or was that a suggestion to well, make sure? Yeah. yeah.
3: Again, it's me talking to their manager and saying, Look, you have five people. You have a total of five minutes. You know, we don't want to go longer than that. And uh, so you could try to do it a minute a piece, or you can go two minutes for one and 30 to 45 seconds for each of the other ones, which is sort of what they did. I think Kathy went longer and everybody else was like 45 seconds. You know, they just got right to the point, but they all worked on it and made sure they had different things to say.
1: Yeah,
2: We sent everybody the E Street Band inductions beforehand. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> the raw I was tapes. like,
1: this is <laughs> such a departure from kind of some of the bloated speeches yeah. of the past, not very much crossover between like everyone kind of took a section. Someone took feminism, someone took, you know, to it was kind of like someone, yeah, family, exactly. someone took, you know, and someone took their early manager, like yeah. really made sure to cover all the people, but not do a ton of duplicate, which was really, it was effective. We talked about it while we were watching the show live. We were like, wow, they're really, uh, this is moving really... along
3: and you're not, you don't feel like you're losing it. Yeah, Cause, cause yeah. it is. It's like, oh no, here comes five people about to do an acceptance speech. Mm -hmm. Should I go to the bathroom now or whatever? And hopefully it kept people's attention and the show kept moving. Joel was very focused on that from day one. Yeah, I was. (laughs) I gotta
2: give (laughs) Joel a lot of credit for that. Hammered that point home to everybody.
1: I also would like to give Joel a lot of credit for that because uh, it would save me some peace of mind. I appreciated it. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Quick question about the Gil Scott Heron package, which I loved. Do you guys know where Common was? He looked like he was in an empty auditorium. It was at the Palladium. An empty Palladium. Using <laughs> in an empty ah. Palladium. Well, there you go. That was a great package. And I, that was a great
1: package. I liked all the contemporary- um,
0: Be- Bezos uh, being whitey on the moon. It was it, it yeah. was it,
3: Yes, yes. John Bendis did that one. And it was, I liked it better when it was longer, but you guys never saw that. So that's good. Because there was so many avenues and so many places to go with Gil Scott Heron. And he obviously did a lot of interviews and- we had a lot of artists talking about him and stuff like that. But I feel like based on the amount of time we had to squeeze in there to tell Gil Scott Heron's story, I thought uh, we did a good job. And Common's teen it up. I thought he was the perfect guy. Gil is a multifaceted
0: guy. There's a lot to, to cover there, but I think it was, yeah. it was a good punchy uh, package. The In Memoriam was done really well. Obviously, you, you want to give a lot of attention to Charlie Watts up top. For the listeners who just saw the broadcast, there's a guy named Michael Stanley who's like a Ohio Cleveland hero who at the live ceremony got his own page and got like a huge, huge pop end. from the crowd. Yeah. Obviously in the broadcast, it doesn't make any sense to to do that. And I believe also there were there was extended moments for Mary Wilson of the Supremes and Dusty Hill from ZZ Top that did not make the cut. I mean, Mary Wilson and Dusty Hill are in. Are in there, they just don't get a few minutes. And not or, the extended moments, yeah. Right, and in addition... Some names, if you can believe it, in between the live ceremony and the broadcast, like Graham Edge from the Moody Blues example, also made their way in there. And I want to say I'm very, very pleased that there was a tribute to Don Everly, because I think, you know, the Everly brothers, especially of that first class, you know, aren't as big names as Elvis or, or Ray Charles. But they are first year Hall of Famers, and yeah. I, I'm it was very very happy to see that there was time devoted to him and a truly great tribute performance from Brandy Carlisle. Which was uh, a highlight,
1: yeah, I felt I felt like that was another one where it's like if you were not familiar with just how influential uh, an artist was, you really learned a lot in a short amount of time. And once again, you're seeing the straight lines from how they were so important and impactful on music that people consider great you know and how they just were so important
0: brandy carlisle was one that i believe was also a surprise i don't think she was in the in the press release she was not she may have actually been confirmed
2: after the actually after the press release around that i think it was right around that time Mm -hmm. i knew she was a huge everly brothers fan and went to her pretty early on but she schedule wise being in seattle where she lives and getting to cleveland when she
1: she and j-lo hopped on a plane together <laughs> we, from the yeah, west
2: coast the... seattle vancouver not that far apart right. but she had just done snl the week before she had to be in new york the week after she likes to be at home with her family when she's not touring but she loves the everly so much and really was excited about the hall of fame that you know, she did everything she could to to make things work. It just took uh by the time we got it all confirmed, I think it was literally right on the eve of the release going out at that point. We figured, you know, we didn't need another release and let it be a nice surprise. Yeah. And she's great. I mean, it's it's nice to see someone like her. Some, some we've talked about her for the show for a couple of years and you know, she's this um fifteen year overnight sensation. You know, a lot of people right, are just running yeah. mm-hmm. out about her, but I mean I was a VH1, we sort of reconnected. At, when I was at VH1, we had her as part of our You Want to Know program in 2007. Wow. Oh, wow. When she first came out. And it's just great to see what she's become and now can go headline Madison Square Garden. And it's just amazing. It hasn't really changed what she does. She's still doing it. She's just gotten
0: better and better and just an incredible voice. Yeah. Everybody's caught up to her. And that, that's yeah. great. Let's talk about Barack Obama. Um, (laughs) doing a piece for a little video for Jay-Z. That is crazy. I had been (laughs) telling Kristen that I thought Obama was going to be involved in the induction somehow. She called me crazy. She called me mad. Well,
1: I said there's no way that Obama is going to Cleveland. Go to Cleveland. <laughs> I And I stand by that. I No regrets on that wager. I did not see him uh, heading to Cleveland, even for Jay-Z. But yes, it was a cool, nice surprise to see him on the screen. And Joe, for some reason, thinks that he... Willed it into existence.
0: Well, all I'll say is I wasn't dismissing the idea ever. I was, (laughs) I was supporting it, and then it happened. How on earth does that the process of that even begin?
3: Well, we had this idea that Questlove had this film. The that it was his idea to do that. Once we knew Jay Z wasn't going to perform, and was that early on? How when did you know that for sure? Yeah, pretty early on. I think there was a time where we were hoping that maybe he would change his mind, but I think it was more that he just didn't have the time to really focus and give the effort like LL Cool J gave. That's not why he didn't do it, but I'm saying you see how much time to make a great performance, you have to really focus and prepare and get your creative mind really and your creative juices flowing. I just don't think he had the time, so... Uh, I think he was grateful. We were all grateful for this idea. And then it became the execution of getting all these great artists who are fans and inspired by Jay-Z to do a line or two or more of his. And, and that's the original offer to Barack Obama. So to be part of that, part uh, of that montage. Yeah. yeah, and we had given him a line, actually we gave him two lines, but one line that we thought was perfect. I'm not going to go into what that is now because I don't want the person that did it to think.
1: <laughs> sure, Air sure, Mark- sure.
3: For that
0: person. If I had to guess, I would say, get the dirt off your shoulder. That would be my, that would be my guess. Go ahead.
3: Anyway, their team came back and offered to do an introduction instead. And of course, we're not going to say no. We wrote something for him, uh, just at least as a starting point, but he obviously took it into a place that only he could have taken it to. But but luckily he kept it tight. I was worried when he was going to redo it, it was going to come back like seven minutes long, but it was a minute 20. It was perfect.
0: That's perfect.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And, you know, a really fun way to start it too. You yeah. know, a big marquee, insane name person to just, you know, induct a big marquee name as well. And and also giving the shout outs to their wives was like a fun, nice touch.
0: Very funny, yeah.
1: It was a funny and nice, sure. quippy, quick speech, which was quite nice. Yeah, I yeah. Wow.
0: Leading us into the life and times of Sean Carter, uh, the montage video with several dozen uh, very famous people uh,
2: 46
0: to be 46 actually if you count those 46 plus a couple people in
2: the film and the kendrick the and missy president the president and uh de chapelle 50
0: people my god spoke about wow. that night this was a quest love john as he uh, refers <laughs> to it was this something he pitched
3: yeah. Yeah, definitely. He, he said this is what he wants to do. And uh, who's the guy, Skills? What's his name that helped yeah. him write it? Yeah. Skills. A uh,
2: DJ and a rapper who created it, took lines from Jay-Z's entire catalog and put it together in something that would all flow together as one cohesive. It was never intended to be a rap because obviously we had a lot of people there who were not artists or rappers a few people like mc light a couple others actually did it a little more like a rap but most mm-hmm. just read or or dave letterman did people like that did it in their own particular style <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. yeah and we gave most of them had uh, gave them several lines to read and we knew we would only use one or two very rarely, came together in literally like two weeks yeah. like uh, all those
2: things were shot over about a two-week Period. It was a pretty crazy it pretty uh, intense, uh pretty, yeah. pretty, actually brought someone else on on the town side who literally was working twenty-four-seven on it. Rick Austin, who Joel mentioned before, took uh on the production side. Was, and
0: shout out to Sandy
2: Alouette. Uh, yes. she, she's she's amazing, yeah, right? Sandy I brought on and she she did a great job. We worked with Jay-Z's camp, who was helpful. Questlove called some people. It was a real team effort, but it was literally, and Questlove, we love, but doesn't like to correspond except on text. Right, So and it does, this. And, <laughs> yes. And, and, which is great because he's really responsive, but it's all in one line text. So I probably have about 5,000 <laughs> in this chain. It's probably 5,000 texts over the course of a couple of weeks oh, as we Lord. Were kind of, together so wow but everybody jumped in and the end result i think it came out great really. it really did it's yeah. it's, it's something Blue special
1: at the end with her braces just giggling i, I mean it's like
2: couldn't kind of scripted that any
0: better
1: yeah it's a real time capsule
0: yeah it, that was very very exciting i think for a second we were like are we only gonna get is this gonna be the package but then there was obviously a more traditional package and you know he got two pieces which you know if he's not going to perform i suppose that is and it's it's also, it's like Jay-Z like,
3: you know, also we want to remind people that aren't that familiar with Jay-Z. Maybe like, this is why he's being inducted. That was important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people who were standing in line behind us on the way into the <laughs> ceremony had a few thoughts, yeah. uh, you know, Oh, just wait to go to the bathroom for when they induct Jay-Z. Uh, mm-hmm. fools. So, you know, fools. 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 I've been a big fools. mistake on their
0: part.
2: Absolute yeah.
1: fools.
0: Missed some, some real high points uh, the whole night do we talk about Dave Chappelle sure yeah um, absolutely. it was amazing I mean yeah his speech was great I would imagine him not being in the press release was a choice given the fervor I guess is, is is a word you could use to describe the discourse that was was happening you know you don't want to distract from you know this is Jay-Z's induction this isn't about him he is a lightning rod especially at that at like, that, time. that given moment. Yeah. In particular, you you keep him off and, and you make him a, a, a surprise because there pro there probably would have been pressure for you guys to remove him if that was in the press release. That's I would I would guess. I don't
3: know, I don't, I don't know if there would have been. Well, maybe there would have been pressure. I don't know, but you know. Yeah. HBO never had an issue with it. Jay Z, of course, didn't have an issue with it, and we didn't really discuss it that much. Uh, and I was always confident—you know—he was there because he's a huge Jay Z fan, loves him, and uh, I knew he would handle it with grace, which he did.
0: Whose idea was it? Was it?
3: Did it come from Jay Z?
0: Should we not put a person to having made the decision for a you, day? You, you, don't,
3: you don't. You don't have to put a person on it, but uh, it was definitely—it uh, was a challenge to to get. Just any answers, like the, like what is, because Jay Z's camp was not very clear what they wanted to do early on. And we didn't want to do anything unless Jay Z's camp was good with it. Like, again, like I said earlier, we didn't know if he's going to perform. Is he in mm-hmm. performing? Is he performing or not performing? And then we had the Questlove film idea. Is he going to be okay with that? And this and that. So, with the presenter, there were a lot of different ideas uh, that were discussing. He never really said no to a lot of them, but he didn't say yes either. He just wasn't yeah. he was so things going on we couldn't get him focused and when we finally got him focused it was like a no-brainer for him to say yes to Chappelle and of course I was worried that by the time we got to Chappelle maybe Chappelle would be booked at the Hollywood Bowl that night or something like that yeah because if we went to Chappelle early on just to see if it was possible because first of all not only was did I think he was perfect to do it but he also lives in the state of Ohio
0: that's another thing yeah we we, we had thought potentially LeBron, given his Ohio connections, obviously he does not live there anymore, but that he would be open to going to to Ohio.
3: Except for that the NBA schedule was in full force, so that was probably never going to happen. It would have been
0: difficult. It would have been difficult.
3: But anyway, the point is, uh, you know, once we got the word back that he loved the idea, it didn't take long. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe 30 seconds to say Dave's in. Was there ever any doubt that Jay was
0: going to be there? Did he make it clear he wanted to attend from the (gasps) get-go?
3: I think, again, it was more like them just, I don't think we ever heard he wasn't going to be there, but there was probably, you know, we didn't hear 100% he was going to be there either. You know, it's like, we just like, again, he didn't really focus on this thing until probably 30 days before the show. He wasn't, he
2: wasn't, he wasn't. He's not. I think we were were pretty confident he was going to.
0: He was going to attend.
2: He's not a big
3: plan ahead guy.
0: I bet that makes you guys feel great as producers of the show. Uh, (laughs) The certainty, the levels of
3: certainty. We were talking to enough people on his team that were very close with him that we felt good that it was all going to be fine. I know it was not about her, but was
0: there ever any indication that Beyonce would be there?
3: Like I said, the same thing. We didn't, you know, we were just so happy that Jay-Z was coming. You know, we did ask and found out probably two, three days before that Beyonce was not coming. But we also knew she was
2: never going to really be part of the show. She, yeah. You know, we assumed if she came, she would be there as Mrs. Carter. And we, right. we got her in the film, which in the the Questlove video, which yeah, was- Yeah, kick it off.
3: Yeah, but we, uh, we had heard he's coming with his mother, which is what he did. Yeah. The, and that was awesome. But he, you know, the kids had school. There was activities going on. I don't know what the reasons were. Didn't matter. That's his choice. And uh, it was fine. Yeah.
1: Well, and you know Obama said it best. I mean, even just mentioning her in the speeches, it I didn't even yeah, it's like a distraction. Like she's too famous almost.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh it becomes about her, even if yeah, she's Mary chappelle
3: started telling a story yeah. about taking a picture with Beyonce and then the crowd started and going the nuts. Loses Exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Like just the mention of her name can can stop. Time. Stop the world! So it makes sense in a lot of ways that she would not necessarily be involved. Much to my personal chagrin. Yes. Uh,
0: and that takes us to our headliners, the the Foo Fighters.
3: Well, nobody's a headliner on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Headliners in the sense. <laughs> you can call, call them the closer. You can the call closer. The closer
0: to me. Oh, yeah. The those terms often are interchangeable. But I understand. I understand what you mean. Closing out the night was the Foo Fighters, and you had Paul McCartney, which is. Crazy. If you can ever get Paul McCartney at a induction, you do it. Was that a Dave thing? That was Dave's first choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked, we're, you know, we're
2: close with his camp. We we both know, we've done a lot of stuff with the management and with Dave over the years. So we're all very close and we brainstormed a lot of names, but that's who Dave ultimately decided would be his top choice. And uh, what Dave wants, Dave gets. So
3: I guess so. Barack Obama won't come to Cleveland, but Paul McCartney came to
2: Cleveland. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And he committed pretty early, you know, pretty early on. Yeah. he and Dave are friends and uh, right. you know, was happy to be there.
0: So exciting to to have him just in you the could building. You can see what,
2: it, you know, even the cutaways today, what Paul's talking, how much that meant to Dave mm-hmm. and, and, the, and, the, and the rest of the band.
0: Of course. In the package, this is, and I might, I, I don't know. I, in the package, I noticed it in the Joe might have his tinfoil
1: hat on here. We'll find out. I
0: don't know. It was just in the edit. I, did, I felt like I didn't see it in, but I could have easily just not seen it at the ceremony. Was the acknowledgement of Franz Stahl having joined the band after Pat, was that originally in the package or was that added in later?
3: It was in there originally,
0: also. Okay. A show, right. but
3: that that was a request from uh, Dave's uh, company, Dave's I, manager. I had a feeling, that, you yeah. know, to not. It's like there's like give, give, just give us some. Acknowledgement. The whole thing was done. It was cut. It was edited. It was done. Everybody approved it. They said, but Franz is going to be there, you know, yeah. and he's, there's still Dave and Franz are still friends. Can you do something to acknowledge it? And that's what we came up with. And they said, that's fine.
0: Yeah. That's the sense I got. Uh, Cause yeah. it's such a quick moment. And obviously yeah him being in the band was such a quick moment and you right. can't take more than what you ended up doing which was just a quick acknowledgement with a little okay. note at the bottom that that he was part of the band right. and it was it was so quick i did not notice it at the ceremony but saw it no. uh, on my tv we thought the production of the performance of the foo fighters was really really well done it, it felt like maybe the most light show uh, i've ever seen wow. At a uh, at an induction and, and it was great. Not
3: not the kind of lights
0: that knock out your eyes though. <laughs> <laughs> no. maybe in the good way. <laughs> and then you know we we got the the speeches that was great and you know the the whole like you said they're smart. They know how to produce their own edits. Basically,
3: it was like almost the same thing as uh, as the Go Go's. Only the Foo Fighters all was short. Nobody really was. Even Dave at the end wasn't that long. Everybody really stayed tight but said what they needed to say. Absolutely. And then we get get back
0: as our final
3: performance, unrehearsed. That was never rehearsed. Just wow.
0: I had been pitching Get Back on this show for, for months. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> You're
2: welcome.
3: You're welcome. When
0: did that, and, and this is kind of a two prong question, when did that become the song to do at the end of the show versus I had heard rumblings of a more traditional jam with maybe members of the Go Go's and other artists doing a cover of Tumbling
3: Dice? Well, that's true. Tumbling Dice, uh, there was supposed to be, we were hoping for a two part finale, like the Foo Fighters would bring out Paul and do Get Back, and Paul might stay, might leave, whatever, but the Foo Fighters would stay out there, and then we would get a lot of the rest of the uh, night's uh, stars and cast and singers, mostly women, to come out and do like a Linda Ronstadt-inspired version of Tumbling Dice, but as a tribute to Charlie Watts, because obviously it was a big Charlie Watts song, a big Stone song. Mm-hmm. That actually was rehearsed the night before, but, but the thing about that performance was... Initially it was set up to include everybody like Taylor Swift was going to be in it, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera was going to be in it, of course Jennifer Hudson was going to be in it and then everybody else Brandy Carlisle, the Go-Go's, Mickey Guyton, her wow. Wow. you are breaking
1: our hearts here Joel.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know it was going to be, but then but little by little Taylor couldn't stay that late so she couldn't do it. Christina couldn't stay that late, she couldn't do it. Jennifer Hudson had to get out of there at a certain time. So they started dwindling one by one and we just thought the show's going to be so long as it is. Mm-hmm. Never really got off a great rehearsal the night before. Cause again, it was sort of rushed and we didn't have everybody there. So uh, we, we had, to, we had to let it go. It was heartbreaking. Cause for me, this was my first show back since 2014 where uh, back then I had another finale got, that I didn't cancel, but the, right. the, the, rug got, the, the rug got pulled out from under my big highway to hell finale. Uh, that was going to happen that night with, E Street Band Nirvana mixed in with Carrie Underwood and and Kiss and all that stuff. So that didn't happen. So now this didn't happen. So I don't know. One day, hopefully I'll get a jam. (laughs) I'll I'll get a jam back. But if I could do it again, I still probably would have pulled the plug. Unless I had everybody. It was the right call. It was the right call. these finales are just not worth doing unless they're good.
1: It shouldn't in any way feel sparse or disappointing. Yeah. You know, it should feel triumphant right. and full. Yeah, I understand the, the impulse. The other problem
3: is it's Tumbling Dice is a little bit more complicated than I thought it would be. And when I was watching them trying to rehearse it and everybody figuring out their parts... It just never got into that groove. There
1: are a ton of tempo changes in that song. It doesn't have a steady rhythm to just latch on to. Yeah, that's why I thought Get
0: Back was was such a good choice because, like,
3: easy song to learn. Get Back also was, you know, it was late at night, so I'm sure Dave forgot, but I was hoping he'd mention Billy Preston. Billy, yeah.
1: That is, yeah. That was... was, We did note that. that.
3: Yeah, it's okay, but the timing of it was unbelievable because, like, three days later... You know the get back documentary comes out, and it's mm-hmm. get back is all throughout all three parts. And Billy Preston, even being such a big part of that documentary, if he didn't understand why he got inducted. Now you really understand. So all of that timed out nicely, but that's the other thing. It, even doing the get back song, Dave could have said, you know, you could the documentary is coming out in a few days. But <laughs> at that point, at that point, he just like he just paid tribute to Paul being as, as the yeah. guy that inspired him to become a singer and a guitar player and a musician and whatever. And and they just went into it. But yeah, like I said, the song was never rehearsed. I mean, obviously the band sort of knew it. So the band part was fine, but him and Paul had never rehearsed it before. And Paul was a not, not, not yeah. in the best voice ever, but I think uh, we, we, we made a nice mix and it sounded better on TV. Yeah, still can still hit those high notes. Yeah, you I know. thought
1: he sounded good in, in person. I, I think, sure. you know, yeah. Well, that's, that's
3: called the good sound. We had good sound people on our, on our show. So they were able to make it sound better maybe then it really was. And also when you're in a big room with a lot of people, everything tends to sound better. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh my
1: gosh, Jennifer Hudson live was really one of the most incredible yeah. things. I was like watching it on the rebroadcast and I was like there's just no way to know how amazing it was live. Like yeah. it sounds very good on TV, but you just can't understand what you're experiencing in the room. There no. just isn't a way to do it. She really, she was I was astonished.
3: She's always, she's always great. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, excellent job to you both and to the whole team. Uh, you, you pulled it off and uh, it's exciting. And uh, next year,
3: who's going to get in next year?
0: What's your predictions?
1: Well, I mean, we have one Eminem.
0: That's an easy one. Eminem's an easy one. It would be exciting if we could get a two a two hip hop through the front door with outcast. Well
1: outcast. But perhaps? that might
0: might be asking too much. We had two hip-hop this year, so but not through yeah, the front and door. One
1: through the side door, though.
0: <laughs> you would never know that Out. <laughs> oh
1: no, we before. agree. That yeah, that was that was well-played. our prediction and, and it was exactly correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then you know what? Duran Duran B52's george michael share what do we think
3: those i just read somewhere
2: there, there was an article the other day where dave Grohl listed his top 10 favorite albums of all time and i think the b 52s debut album was this was number
3: one on his list i totally agree with b52s of the yeah. names you just mentioned i i love the b52s and i still love dave matthews band at benatar Oh Benatar, you know I, would, I would put is money on Benatar. Be my my yeah. hope, I'm a, I'm a Durant
2: supporter. And how about what about what about I know you have
0: Taylor Hawkins choices.
2: Well, I think, I think George Michael,
3: Soundgarden, and George Michael, but Soundgarden for sure.
0: Yeah, they they've been on the ballot before, so they they might they might struggle. They've been on the ballot
3: but... before, but listen, they had you know I know it's just such a bummer that we've lost Chris Cornell, but. Uh, had the benefit of doing the Chris Cornell tribute concert a few years ago at the Forum and, and seeing everybody from Brandi Carlisle to Miley Cyrus singing in front of Soundgarden and Metallica showing up for it and Dave Grohl showing yeah. up for it, Jack Black showing up for it. So, he, you know, they had a lot of influence on a lot of people. So.
0: And there's a good tribute performance, another good tribute performance to be had there with yeah. Soundgarden for sure. I don't
3: know why Tommy James and the Shondells isn't getting more love. Yeah, it feels like the, the uh, time I passed, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I just think that had so many hits, but you know, that's just me. But uh, they did. I think we may have officially moved on from the 60s. Yeah, I just early think influence
1: we have swept them out, and now you put them all in early influence. And just you don't do have to it. put them on the ballot. You, just you do don't it. even have to exactly, you don't have to so, teach anyone yeah. about them. You just pop them right in.
2: Joel has asked if we could do 18 inductees for you next year. do 18. Yeah, at least 18 inductees
0: next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a kind of a concluding note, do you feel like there were any lessons learned from this ceremony or going forward? you know, the idea of the performances before the speech is likely to stick around any other kind of final thoughts?
2: I mean, I'll let Joel close, but for me, I think this format really worked well. I mean, we learned it last year with the, you know, we were forced to do the documentaries last year, but people really loved it. And they told the stories that the a two to three minute package couldn't do. And so I think from the get go, the idea was try to do a hybrid version, which I think we really pulled off and even though the films were quite as long as they were last year they were still long enough to get the you know if you didn't know why jay-z or gil scott heron or Kraftwerk or whoever it happened to be was deserving of the hall of fame i think you were after watching the show which i think is really important so i think uh, i hope hopefully that format continues and i'm sure we'll find other things to tweak but uh i loved it and i think the response to it has been at least that i've gotten has been as strong as any any show i've worked on any Hall of Fame show that I've worked on over the years.
3: Yeah, for me too. The, the feedback has been, you know, off the charts. You know, people calling it the best show ever. I'm not saying it was, but a lot of people who have been to a lot of shows and have seen a lot of shows have said that. My biggest takeaway is let's keep it in single digits. The inductees next year, <laughs> you know, nine, nine would be fine. I, I, I'll push for eight, but I'll settle for nine. Once you get into this ten to fifteen inductees, it's just too long. It's just too much and it's not necessary so well
0: it's it's the battle between the best produced live induction ceremony and then trying to Fix and address the problem of the long list of artists the that are backlog. not in the hall, yep. you know, the snubs, you yep. know, so it's, it's an attempt to kind of do that. And, you know, with the number of artists you had on the plate this year, you guys did a good job. Uh, I'm like,
1: of- maybe just cut all the non-performers. Uh, that's going to be my thing. Even though I'm the huge, huge Clarence Avant fan and absolutely... Was so thrilled to learn about him this year. I have my feelings about yeah
0: about millionaire uh,
1: millionaire executives. managers and executives inducting themselves uh, into this yeah. uh, institution.
3: We don't disagree. Hey Rick, when is uh, is she is she eligible next year, Alana Morissette?
0: She's been eligible. She's been eligible because she had all those uh oh,
3: Canadian
2: she, she, records. Yeah, before, before the big records. Before Jagged, she had, yeah. She's actually been eligible for a few years now. I think so those
3: they, records count because they were sort of like, doesn't they matter.
2: They, it doesn't matter. Y'all you have you to just put a record out
3: and the clock starts. I mean, she would be amazing to me too, even though she didn't have that many albums, but she had such an impactful, that album. Oh yeah. So oh so yeah. Impactful, and you'd get so many great women to come out and pay tribute to her oh I'm yeah pretty, i i pretty I, I can
2: pretty safe bet she's going to come up in the meeting this year especially with the documentary out now and the state and the broadway show
3: and, and she was touring and broadway, doing a, a, great, a great year would be getting alanis and pat Benatar. are
1: you, you know? gotta be kidding me i would love it
3: Chris yeah. would explode <laughs> i uh, would explode
1: that would be so great i would be very very happy to see that you happen. should come
3: to the uh rick will invite you to the nomination meeting Finally, the big. Finally, invite. I just, you know,
1: I I think I'm probably next on the list to be called up, just from obscurity to the non-com.
0: Let us go and just take notes, you know, or let, let me be the secretary and I'll let you know. Anybody has a question, you know, like is when was this person
3: nominated? Where are they? In? You know, Taylor know, Hawkins should be uh, speaking on behalf of Alanis. That it would, it would really make cool. a lot of sense for sure. He's yeah. Too busy. Not at the show. Not at the show, but at the nominating committee. Yeah,
1: is he on the non-com? Uh, no. I mean, no. I know the role is.
0: Rule. You can only, only, there's a rule only one
2: member per band on the nominee
3: <laughs> yeah but taylor hawkins has a different band he can go as a different band yeah. but he didn't pitch a he pitched george michael and soundgarden and james addiction from the yeah, true it he wouldn't he even was, make his top three he's
1: just trying to get more women in the hall
3: i bet i bet he didn't realize alonis was eligible i bet he wasn't <laughs> thinking about the canada records Ah, uh, even without the Canada record, I mean, when was that big record? It was ninety. Was, was it ninety five?
1: It was ninety five. It, so it, w- been... yeah, it was just would have been.
0: Yeah, it's the same year as the Foo
2: Fighters, mm-hmm. right? So, so she's eligible. So, so yeah, he
0: would. No. So she would be eligible
2: anyway. I, I we'll see. It'll, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting meeting coming up in
0: six or seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, is it going to be in person? Do you know? Is it going to be Zoom again?
2: Uh, I don't know. Still TBD. My gut is probably Zoom. Um, that makes sense. But uh, that's uh, probably what I think it'll be. So, which is unfortunate. Saves me airfare, but it's still be nice to, uh, you know, kind of miss being in the room. But it went well last year. It was civil. It worked there out. Go. There not you go. Everyone
1: knows how to use the mute button now. It's Yeah, been, I think your
2: people are a lot more you know. experienced by right now. So, <laughs> and everybody, it's not like you're talking over each other because everybody sort of gets their turn at the mic. So,
0: right. Well, that's exciting. The calendar now, it feels like you're, you're done with the ceremony and then. Pretty soon the, the nominations are out. It's exciting for our podcast, <laughs> to say the least. Glad we could give you uh, material. Yeah, as in always. so in,
1: many ways, yeah.
0: And thank you guys again for joining us. This is uh, always so enlightening and and fun. And uh, we really appreciate you guys making the time to talk to us. Sorry we didn't see you there. I know, right? We we were there, but we I know you guys were both pretty
3: busy. Uh, yeah, you had a <laughs> few things going on. I think uh, next time you guys should sit in the truck with me. And really help
1: guide guide the show. I would love to
3: be over
0: your shoulder. Especially Kristen.
1: I've got a lot of thoughts. I've got ideas. I'm not distracting at all. And
2: and you know what? Joel loves when you talk to him during the show. I (laughs) bet. Well, you know
1: me. Just (laughs) always constructive, never distracting. Put me in there. (laughs) More getting
3: yelled at than being talked to in the show. So if you could do a little bit of that, that would be good too. Oh, no problem. It sounds
0: like a dream scenario for you. (laughs) Uh, Really incredible. Well, thank you guys again. Do you guys have, plugs uh anything that's coming out that you want people to see uh beyond you know obviously the ceremonies on hbo max but if there's anything out there that you also would like to to recommend or your own work that's, that's coming out sure. soon I,
3: I got i got two i'm gonna
2: plug right now great Only because the very can far- have mine. i don't have anything so he can have two we can have mine as well we'll, we'll let you have
0: two joe
3: got uh the ninth year i'll be doing the independent spirit awards that'll be live on ifc on march 6th a long way away, but not that long. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll be doing the uh, iHeart Radio Music Awards on Fox uh, live on March 22nd. So it's a busy March Ooh, for me. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I
2: do have one. I am uh, I'm extending my Hall of Fame uh, experience into the world of sport, and I'm gonna, with another friend going to be producing the World Golf Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Really, in Florida on March 9th.
3: Wow! For the, for the, live, gol- live for the, the golf, go- live on the golf channel. There we go on NBC. Between Rick and I, we got a busy March. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like it.
1: It's not too soon to call your cable subscriber and have the golf channel added.
2: I bet Uh, you have it already. You
0: don't
3: know it.
1: (laughs) IFC as well. Uh
3: That's true. (laughs) IFC for sure. Yeah. So
0: really reach out to your cable provider, (laughs) really reach out to your parents to get their cable login and then find it online. I will be at the arcade comedy theater in Pittsburgh on December 23rd, a little pre Christmas show. Come on out to that. Also. I am at the Lincoln lodge in Chicago on December 30th, both stand-up dates. Come on out. Have a good time. And uh, you can follow us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. RockallPod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to designate that somewhere in there. Otherwise, she doesn't want to read it, and I'm not going to forward it to her. Uh, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only. Anything less than five. I mean, come on, we're giving you some, Lionel some real Lionel Richie access. gave us
1: five stars. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, yeah, right, Lionel <laughs> Richie gave us five stars. You think you're better than Lionel Richie?
1: You're not. Thank
0: you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Cozala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares
1: about the rock call?